Hey, this is Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. Welcome back to the Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. This is season six, episode 27. I am John DiCarlo, joined by Sam Cohn and Sam Newman. Kyle Gauss is off this week for what is the Mike Trout episode of the Scoop. I believe that is correct. Yeah. The... Sam, do you have any other names? Eddie George. Eddie George. Where'd you get that from, Sam? No, I guess. Made it up. Abington's own Eddie George. Um, so a lot of stuff for you guys this week. Um, we have an interview with Temple assistant basketball coach, Jimmy Fennerty. He's joined us in the past on the scoop. Always good to talk to him. I think you guys will enjoy this interview. Obviously a disappointing season for the Owls at five and 11, uh, four and 10 in conference play. And the season obviously ended early in the American athletic conference tournament. You guys know by now that they had a chance to tie it or win at the end, kill a battle lost the ball off his foot. We'll talk about that and a lot more with Jimmy in a few minutes before we get to that. And we've got some mailbag questions uh, to get to as well. Uh, Temple did have a pro day this week. Uh, we couldn't attend in person, but Temple did have a pro day with several NFL with scouts from and coaches from several NFL teams in attendance. Again, we weren't allowed to go in person. Reporters were not permitted to be at the complex in person, but there were Zoom interviews. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Pro Day was yesterday. Sam and Sam, you guys were in on those interviews. The two big names, obviously, are, are, are Dan Archibong and, and Brandon Mack. Um, I'll ask you guys, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit, and then we'll get into to the interview with Jimmy. Um, just based off of talking to those guys yesterday, Sam Newman, I'll toss this over to you. Um, based off their times, their measurables, you know what they told you guys as reporters, did Dan Archibong and Brandon Mack help themselves yesterday? Um, I, I think Brandon Mack definitely helped himself. He, he ran a 4.64 40-yard dash, which um, was was good time for him, considering I think that a lot of scouts told him that they thought he was going to run like a 4.7. And he's not a speedster by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy who's probably be a red zone threat, maybe be you know a converted tight end at the next level because of his size. Who knows? I think Mack helped himself. He, he said he heard good things from scouts. Um, I don't know if Archibong listed the teams, but – but Max said that he spoke with teams like the Jaguars, Titans, Chargers, worked out with the 49ers scouts, so all over the place there. So, I mean, as we know, the Temple receivers have a have a pretty good reputation around the league right now. Um, so that was Mac, and Archibong wasn't totally thrilled with his times. I, I think he ran like a 5.33 40-yard dash, which is nothing like great, but he was told not to really worry about that because of his size. Um, and I think he weighed in under 300 pounds. So maybe you could see him being converted to a uh, more like a defensive end than in nose tackle. Just like, I think Michael Dogby kind of was during, during this process, maybe that's the plan for him. But um, in addition to those guys, um, you know, we got a blast in the past from some other guys heard from, well, uh, Kamir Brown was the other senior there. Um, Anthony Cruz, former walk on Jagger Gardner, Zach Mesde, Aaron Monroe, Benny Walls. I think interesting thing that maybe Temple fans didn't know is that Aaron Monroe, um, who was who was a transfer safety from Penn State, uh, he actually heard from the Los Angeles Rams in, in camp, and they told him maybe camp, maybe during the season. Sam, I'm, I'm not sure if he said it, but they told him they'd be ready just in case any of their players went down with COVID. So, I mean, that's interesting. I, I didn't think Aaron Monroe exactly had a, a story career here, but uh, good for him. Um, so, yeah, no, and then um, Archibong and Mac kind of gave, like, a, a good outlook at the respective position groups, and you'll hear their audio from them in a second about that. Um, it, it was kind of funny. They were asked about, you know, why players transferred. They didn't really want to get into that, but to them, it, it didn't seem like, you know, to be their cup of tea, essentially. They were like, well, for whatever reason they wanted to do that, they, they decided to do that, and, um, you know, they wish nothing but the best luck, but it doesn't seem like Archibong and Mac would be those guys that do it. They elected to go to the NFL instead. Um, I think that the one thing that stuck out from Archibong talking with him is he said what stuck out, um, what he'd been able to take away from, you know, Temple is mental toughness. So 
Um, you know, that's obviously probably a skill they're looking for the next level is how mentally tough you are, especially with a year like this past, but I mean, going through four different head coaches, three different defensive schemes, you know, that takes cold and maybe that'll help them during the interview processes. We lead up to the draft. So, um, cue up some audio here. So this is Dan. I, I actually asked Dan Archibald the question, the future position. He, he was back. I think they were back on campus last week, maybe, or at, you know, working out. Um, and he said he saw Nick Bags. So here's him talking about the future of the position, kind of keeping the future of the interior de- defensive line, keeping that wild boys tradition and a little anecdote on Nick Bags. Yeah, man, we're all wild boys. So I speak highly of these guys because they've been, they've been vetted and they've been put through the ringer just like I have. So my expectation for those young guys is through the roof. You know what I mean? Nick Bags. I saw Nick Bags recently, actually. He's put on, like, 10 or 15 pounds and is ready to, like, play for us. So, like, that's, like, good to see that. And and I was talking to him a little bit about football and just, you know, how the game is played and his mental IQ has even just gone up since I've been since I left in a few months. His football IQ has went up. So, it's, like, it's a good feeling mm-hmm. to come back and know that your young guys are, like, are getting right. You know what I mean? So, um, my expectation for them is just to a keep on that wild boys tradition because that's one of the most important traditions at Temple, other than the single digit tradition. And b just to be themselves, like don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like you're still young because we gotta we're young at D line. I'm not gonna lie to you, like we're pretty young. So you know, I just told Nick Bags the, the other day. Actually, I was like, dude, like. I remember when I was a freshman, I thought I had all this pressure on me and I didn't know what pressure was until I was a senior. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, don't put too much pressure on yourself yet. Like, just go out there and play ball and just have fun with it because you're a freshman. Like, you can do that. You got time. You know, don't start worrying about that other stuff until, like, you're an old guy. So, no, my, my, my expectation for them is to the roof. All right. So you heard from uh, Dan Archibong there and, and John was given a Tiger Woods um, – fist bump for, for those of us who, who obviously there's no video here. So uh, caught me a little off guard, but, but, but Sam did that. Sam did that earlier. So I guess it's becoming a thing now, a little Tiger Woods fist pump. Maybe, maybe we'll have to make that into a headline or something. Keep, or a golf shirt. Video, video clip it. <laughs> yeah. Where, where are Wednesday reds? That's not a bad idea at all. <laughs> um, Sam, you're not allowed to go golfing ever again. No. <laughs> You don't uh, know. I know. Sam can pull links again, and he could put us all to shame. He could be hustling us. Yeah, I'm, I'm not turning in the happy Gilmore any. Um, yeah, just setting us up like dumb, like a plot, like oh, 365 days to hockey tryouts. <laughs> yeah, how soon before we can uh, not to get us too far off track here? How soon before we can uh, do some socially distanced golf again? Very soon. The weather is getting very well. This week it's been trash, but last week was nice. Yeah. Sam, the, the, the final golf question for you is, do you have a better effort in you than what you showed us back in October, November? I hope so. God, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> at least we had fun. That's all that matters, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, we had fun. Anyway, and you're right, getting, up, getting back to Brandon Mack. I'm sorry. So Brandon Mack, he talked about the receiver position. Uh, I mean, it, he kind of, he was like, it was pretty, I mean, you'll hear the audio from here in a second. He was like, yeah, people know who Jaden Blue is, but he feels like Randall Jones is a bit disrespected. Um, just, you know, I mean, I feel like Randall Jones was Temple's best receiver last year when he, when he was healthy. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that. Um, hopefully, you know, he's coming back and, and can prove that. He talked about Jose Barcon, Jordan Smith, maybe a couple other names that I missed. But but here he is talking about the future of that position and and what he's hopeful for. Oh, uh, that receiver, um, just because I left, they, they still have lethal weapons in there. You still got Jaden Blue. Everybody knows who Jaden Blue is. Um, Randall Jones. Randall Jones is probably going to be the shocker of everybody because I don't know why a lot of people just sleep on him. He has speed, he has good hands and great routes. And we have a couple of young guys just looking like they could step up and make some plays. Jose Barbone, he played the last was time for him to step up. He's going to do what he got to do. Um, we got some big guys like Ronnie and um, Jordan Smith that could do, that could step up and be that big, that big body receiver. And we also have like some some red shirt freshman and sophomores that could probably pop on the scene and make a couple plays in that receiver room. All right, so there you are hearing from Brandon Mack. Um, you know, Temple conducted officially conducted its pro day Tuesday in front of I believe they announced that it was twenty one NFL teams. Um, 
the results are out. Sam put out a video on Twitter that you can watch of Dan Archibald taking 28 bench reps. Um, other than that, I, I mean, we, we heard yesterday, uh, we, we knew that this was Kyle Gauss actually, uh, you know, razzed Sam a little bit for, for not crediting the Alice Scoop group chat on this, but uh, spring <laughs> practice will, will begin on April 5th. Um, hopefully we'll be able, I don't know if we'll be able to get out there by then, but, or maybe be able to socially distance, but the hope is that, you know, it's what less than three weeks away before mm-hmm. they get back on the field. So new faces. So I'm, I'm sure, uh, we're, we're all ready for, for that to start up because we, I mean, we have March madness, but, but nothing more. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, I would imagine, I would imagine zoom access if they don't have us, um, down at EO. We'll see. We haven't been told officially. It'd be great to see a couple of practices in person because as we've as we've told all of you before, you know, when you do get some access and you hear the coaches say, all right, twos, get out there, threes, get out there. And again, it's not that that's etched in stone heading into preseason camp, but you can you can see where where some guys are and you can track the progress and you can see if if uh you know if like a, a young offensive lineman is running some time with the ones or or if somebody has kind of been demoted to second team. Uh if we don't see stuff in person, obviously it's just asking the coaches on Zoom like we've been doing all year, who's standing out, who's flashing, stuff like that. But either way, hopefully we'll have some spring ball to cover. I think the greatest example of that is when Carrie's first year here when they have their spring game, but it was more like a, a practice. And yeah. you, we heard all about how impressive Jaden Blue looked, and then you were able to see that in person, and now look what he's doing. So, you know, yeah. little, little stuff like that that hasn't been accessible. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to do that pretty soon. When Rod came in, the first six or seven preseason camp practices were pretty much all open to the media, which was which was nice. You know, we might not get that again, but uh, but yeah, we'll get some uh, have some football for you in the future, in the coming days. We'll see, you know, with the NFL draft later next month, we'll see what happens for Brandon Mack, what happens for, for Dan Archibong. If they're, you know, round four through seven guys, if they, if they slip and become undrafted rookie free agents, I think it's safe to say that they'll probably be in somebody's camp. I uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show that we have an interview here for you with Jimmy Fennerty, uh, Temple's assistant coach. Again, um, frustrating year for the Owls. I think, I think, both the football and the basketball program are looking at an important third year of the, of the Rod Carey tenure and a, a, an important third year of the Aaron McKee tenure. And you're going to hear Jimmy talk a little bit about that, about how, you know, essentially they know what they were up against. They had injuries. There was COVID, you know, eight stoppages, all that stuff, but they don't want to make excuses. And uh, there are a couple of mailbag questions, at least one that, that holds Jimmy's feet to the fire and says, you know, when are we going back to the tournament? Fans want to know when we're going back to the tournament. He answered that and a lot more. So we'll play this interview here with you uh, with Jimmy Fennerty. goes pretty much almost up and down the roster, talks a little about Heiser uh, Miller and Zach Hicks, the, the two incoming recruits from Newman Gretti and Camden Catholic, respectively. Jimmy's pretty straightforward when he talks about what they need for the future when it comes time to maybe adding a piece or two. So hope you guys enjoy this and we'll react to it on the other side. So we are happy once again to have Temple assistant basketball coach Jimmy Farrity with us on the scoop. Jimmy, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? It's good to, good to be back on. Good to see you guys. And looking forward to uh, to talking some some Al's hoop here. Uh, appreciate it for appreciate you spending time with us, Jimmy. Obviously, he's a five and eleven season, four and ten, in, in the conference. Obviously, the the tough loss to USF in the opening round of the conference tournament down in Dallas. Now, we know what went into it, COVID, injuries, youth, mistakes, all sorts of stuff, and uh, it's going to be a busy offseason. But as we sit here now, what's your instant analysis of, of things since the, since the season started back in November? I know it's been you know, just a matter of days and so much goes into it, but as you sit back and think of how crazy everything was, what, what are some of the thoughts that pop into your head? Excitement. Uh, it's probably the, the, the most thing. And I know that that's a little counterintuitive considering the year we just had. But I think when you look at the future of Temple basketball and you look at our roster uh, compared to some of the other teams in our league and compared to some of the other programs around with what they're going through now with the transfer portal and everything, I think you're excited about the commitment of our young guys and the talent that they have. Uh, I think you're looking at uh, Jeremiah Williams, who I think he led all freshmen in our conference in, in uh, minutes and assists and steals. And he was like second, second or third in the league at, at one point there in, in assists. 
Uh, you got Dame Don, who who we never really played with a full roster, but but when he was out there, um, I mean, he averaged about 14, 15 a game, uh, made the all rookie team, and then and then you got KB, who's a sophomore, who he, he's he's all league as well, and I I don't think there was anybody who we played when Caleb was fully healthy and back uh, that could guard that could guard him. Um, and he rebounded it really well, and he scored it at the level that we need him to score it at. And I, I think that that's that's the exciting part. Um, and, and obviously, getting Sage healthy, um, getting Jalil healthy, getting those guys back. Now you have Nick, who's getting a little bit more confidence and more more experience out there. You have Quincy kind of getting the same. Uh, I, I'm excited about the future of Temple. Now, obviously, we we have one or two pieces that we got to add here in the off season, and that that's important for us. And I think that's. That's why uh, you probably hear my phone ringing right now behind me, vibrating here next to me. But um, that's a good thing, and that's that's right where we want to be. And I, I think the one thing that that I'm excited about is is you look at the programs around the country. Um, and, and John, you and I talked about this. You look around and you see what they're all going. And I mean, there's there's teams in the portal right now that that have eight, nine, ten guys in the portal. Um, and, and right now we we have almost everybody coming back and we're excited about that. And that shows you how committed these young guys are, how excited they are about Aaron McKee, how excited they are about our future and the nucleus guys that we have uh, to be able to go do something special here next year. Um, and I think that's, that's the big piece for us. We, we knew this was going to be a process um, building this up, but I'm excited about, about what we have and the guys that we have in that locker room and the coaches we have in that, in that uh, coaching staff. Jimmy you mentioned Caleb battle, obviously a tough break for him in the closing seconds of the, of uh, the USF game. How has he responded since then? I know that the ball handling was something that you guys have wanted him to work on. It's, it's a tough break when he just just loses the ball like that. Right after that, you could see the guys going up to him and supporting him. And I know I, after the game, he said that he Aaron talked to him and Aaron just said, learn from this. How have you seen him kind of bounce back? Because that's, that's just a tough break for any player, especially when it, when it closes out the season like that. Absolutely. And I think that, that these are the things that, uh, and everybody talks about wanting to have success and being there right away. These are the things that you have to go through as a young player to make it all that more special when you're older and you're having the success that you want to have. And, and Caleb obviously had a great season for us. And um, I know he's going to want more. Um, he's a guy who was in the gym almost every day uh, since, since that season has, has ended. And most guys usually take a week or two to, to kind of get back. KB, he's right back in there. Um, and I think that's something that is pretty special. Uh, and really the, the biggest moment for me, um, and that strikes to to who who we have in that locker room it is the the second that happened and the second the horn went off, it, you have the entire team running to KB and, and, and running to grab him and, and pick him up and say, hey, man, you're not you're not out here alone. And, and I think that has a, a really special moment for us and a chance that it shows us we, we have the right guys um, and, and we have the guys that we're going to build with. And I think there's some teams that you look around and, and when something like that happens, you got one guy walking right, one guy walking left, the other guy pointing the finger. And the other guy just sitting there sulking and, and with his hands in his head and, and they're, they're disconnected. But I, I think our guys, and it shows you a testament, like I said, to the guys we have in that locker room. So they, they jumped on. So it was good. Jimmy, looking at the roster now compared to the start of the season, who would you say has been the biggest surprise or who's shown the most growth? Like if you had to give like a most improved player award, who would you say has shown the most growth this season? Yeah, the, the easy answer is, is Jeremiah. Um, but, but really from the start, he was a guy who – established himself as a leader and as a competitor. And I think that showed uh, the guy who I think came the longest way was Nick Jordan. Uh, Nick was a guy who, who came in and I, I think you're looking at in a normal year, he probably red shirts. Um, and, and we kind of move forward with the guys we have in that locker room. And it, it, he's, he's really gifted in terms of his skill wise, but he's even more gifted in terms of you tell him something once he's going to do it. Um, and for him, it was getting that motor going. It was being a little bit more physical. It was having confidence out there on the perimeter. It was being able to post a little bit more inside. And he started to do those things. And I think that's why you saw him in the starting lineup. And I mean, hey, he, like he's a guy who can make shots, but he comes in there and he, he bangs five for seven from three on the year. Um, and, and obviously he played he played more in like the last four games, but it, that's in that span. And, and it hit some big shots for us. It's a big reason we beat USF uh, at the end of the year, that last win. And uh, I think he's a guy who, if he keeps having that same sort of growth, I mean, we're, we're going to be pretty successful here. It might be a simple question, but what's the biggest difference between this team playing in like a COVID ridden season versus what you guys could have been like with the normal off season? Obviously you don't want to harp on the what ifs and, you know, yeah. go through that, but in that process, but in other words, like what, what part of the game most notable, most noticeably gets cleaned up if you guys had that, uh, that practice time? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it, the cool part is 
you don't want to like we don't live in excuses. Aaron hasn't, I haven't, and I know our fan base isn't going to accept fan base, uh, accept that. Um, you know what I mean? Accept those excuses. But yeah, I mean, you we we get on campus in in August, uh, late August. We have a number. I think we had eight shutdowns throughout the course of the the year. Um, you, you don't really have a non conference season. Uh, for most of these guys, the the first game they played was uh was going at number five Houston. Um, and I think that there's so much development that happens in the spring, uh, summer and fall that we just didn't have. Um, and, and hey, that, that is what it is. We had to make do with with what we had. And um, I think we we you have to kind of skip steps because you're just throwing everything together, trying to get enough so that you can go out there and play games. Um, and I think what you're going to see this year and I've always felt that the biggest development time for most guys is from freshman to sophomore year. Um, so what you're going to see is these guys are—they're going to have their first real summer. Um, specifically from as physical as our conference is, specifically from a weight room perspective, uh, perspective in terms of getting our guys stronger legs. Um, I think that's that's one thing that, that you miss out. Um, you look at Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah played 32 games. Like that's it's a lot for a freshman out of high school, never really been in a weight weight program before. 32 minutes a game. So um, that that's that's important for us. I think those are the things that you miss out on. But that's also what we're excited about now. Um, if we can play the way we played towards the end of the year um, and keep having these guys develop, I think we're in a really good spot. So, Okay, Jimmy, how have Damian Dunn and, and Jeremiah Williams grown as leaders in the locker room? Are, are those two guys that you expect to be more vocal down the line? I, I know Aaron kind of kind of talked about how, how he wants them to step up as yeah. leaders, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Jeremiah, he's, he's got it so naturally. Um, like there were times when he's in the huddle and he's telling a senior what to do. Um, and I thought that was fantastic. Um, and then from there, I think um, Dunny, it's being more self-confident and being able to kind of step out and put himself out there. I thought if you look back to our Wichita game, uh, Dame Dunn was the best player on the floor right behind Tyson Etienne. And I think being that guy every day, and he didn't do it by just going out there and scoring a ton of points. He was killing it on the offensive glass, was fantastic. There were times where I, all of a sudden you just see him shoot out of nowhere like he was shot out of a can. It was fantastic. Um, and then and then, um, and then, then doing it on the defensive end as well. And I think that if he keeps doing that, and he's a guy that everybody in our locker room really respects. Um, and I think he's a guy that I think can really take on that role. And I think you'll, you'll need some leadership from Sage Tolbert as well. Um, and, and obviously if we can, um, keep moving forward, a lot of these young guys will keep developing into that too. But I thought those two guys are really guys that, that are going to step forward. And obviously KB has got to lead for us too. So I think that's important. Jimmy, how would you compare Jake Forrester and Nick Jordan's style of play and what those two bring to the table? Yeah. So I think they're different. I think Jake is more five. I think Nick is more four. Um, and I think Nick can play the five. Uh, but I think he's, he's more for um, it, Nick is better on the perimeter. Um, Jake is better with his back to his to the basket. Uh, I think that's, that's probably the most broad way I could say it. Um, I think, I think they both have a chance to be good for us here. And I thought Jake actually, I should, probably should have said Jake in some, in some capacity here. And when you asked me that development question, because I do think that he, he matured and, and had a, big growth. It didn't always show in numbers, but from a practice standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, I thought he was better this year um, and took a step and we need him to make that same step next year. So with Jake, I know you said didn't look that way numbers. Sometimes someone will look at his assist total and say he had two assists all season. What goes into that? Does he just flat out need to be better passing out of the post? Was some of that just, you know, him kicking it out and guys just not knocking down shots. And what, what goes into that? Because that people are going to look at that assist total. They're not expecting them to be, you know, in the, in the fifties or sixties or anything like that. But if you look at that, what, what went into that this year with that number? Oh, uh, some of it I'm sure is, is letting the game come to him. Um, and when you looked at his assisted turnover ratio, a lot of his turnovers are just undisciplined things um, in terms of uh, setting illegal screens or, um, traveling with the ball just because he's not as poised in the post as, as he needs to be sometimes. And I thought there were segments where when, when Jake focuses on defending and rebounding, his offensive game is infinitely better. Um, but when he goes in there and he's thinking score, 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 that's when you get to assist in however many turns and, and not as, not as productive in terms of scoring. Um, he's a guy that's got to get more offensive rebounds for us. Um, and I think he will. I, I thought there were games, you look at our first UCF game, you look at our Tulane win, um, I think that those are games that he played well. And I actually thought he, he played decently well offensively. 
um, and rebounding wise against USF. He's got to get better on the defensive end, and he knows that. And we're working on that with him. Um, but that's that, that's why I thought Jake took some strides and made some strides this year. And if he can make that same stride next year, I think we got a chance to be pretty good. Now, Jimmy, you just mentioned working with with Jake on the defensive end, and the main reason that you know he got into foul trouble this past season is when he defends the interior. He, he may use his hands and upper body too much. How do you go about working on, on making him more disciplined defending with his lower half? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a it's a lot of film. Um, it's a lot of walkthrough kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's playing more one-on-one in the post and really it, it embracing the defensive side. Um, and, and I think that's something that you got to be, you got to be comfortable with the physicality of that down there too. Um, and I think that's, that's what Jake's been working on and, and he's going to keep working on all summer. I think he's got to play a lot of one-on-one this summer. Um, he does. And I think he's got to get in there with, with Sage, who's a physical guy um, and, and he can get in there a little bit more and kind of bang a little bit down there. When I talked to Damien Dunn about a month ago, he mentioned how helpful a guy like Mark Macon has been in slowing the game down for him just by breaking down film and helping Dame understand when to attack, when to pull the ball out. Sure. Did you see that kind of progress there with his game, despite the fact that he missed some time before the end of the season? Uh, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I do. I think Dame is a guy who is, is slowly developing into what he wants to be, but I think it's coming. It's coming. You know what I mean? I think that's that's part of it. And I think it's a lot for you when, when you become the number one guy on the on the uh, scouting report. And I think that changes a little bit uh, of your perspective as well. Did that answer your question? I apologize. Yeah, yeah, it did. I just uh, the big the biggest thing that he had talked about was like remembering that Houston game, that second game of the year when defenses really keyed in on him and he had to deal with having to be that number one option and kind of his growth throughout the season is feeling like he can be confident with the ball. And I was curious to hear your thoughts on on what, how Mark Macon kind of helped him in that, in that area. Yeah. Co- Coach Macon, he, he does a tremendous job with our guys of just providing some, some mentorship. Um, I think that's, that's really important because it's, he's a guy who's been through it. Like he's been in Dame Dunn's shoes uh, more times than not in his life. So he, so he can kind of help and, and can kind of emphasize with what he's going through. Um, and it's another guy for those guys to talk to. And, and Coach Macon does a great job with that. I mean, going back and, and talking about Sage Tolbert, I know you just mentioned him, but he, he didn't see the floor at all during the regular season. Yeah. But then I guess kind of to a lot of fan surprise, he, he played eight minutes during the uh, your guys' opening round loss to South Florida in the conference tournament. What are your expectations for him based on based on what you've seen in practice? Yeah, so Sage, it's funny because Sage wasn't he wasn't supposed to play. Um, it kind of came to us at the end and said, hey, I'm ready. Like, I can do this. I can help you. Let, let me. We're about to play four games in four days. Let me, let me get out there. And, and, and we used him. Um, and I think he kind of played a, a little bit, a, a little rusty, but I thought he, he gave us good energy, good effort. He, he's a live body. Um, I, I, what I see him is I see him being Justin Gorham. Um, just a guy who's physical, who's going to attack the offensive glass, who can make a shot from three. Um, and he's working on his decision-making on the perimeter, working on his ball handling as well. Uh, but he, he's, if you look at our league, our league is physical. Our league is strong. Our league is aggressive, and, and and Sage I think is a perfect fit for our league. Um, I think every team in the league that that has won recently has had a guy like Sage on their roster um, and go in there and make a lot of uh, big plays for him in terms of just getting on the offensive class. I remember I said this to you before. I mean, he's a lot like um, a lot like Gorham, a lot like um, Trey Scott from Cincinnati from a year ago. Um, and I think if you can be those two guys, I think you need a guy like that in order to win this league, and, and that's why we got him. So I know he played he played a little differently than that in, in our last game, and that a lot of that was circumstance and the situation with the rosters and everything. But yeah, yeah. You know, JP Mormon obviously has announced that he's hitting the the transfer portal. Do you guys know what's next for for Dre Perry and Brandon Barry? Have those guys talked to you about their decisions yet? You know what to expect from them? Oh uh, yeah, I haven't had a ton of discussions with them about it. Uh, that's coming up here soon, um, but. But yeah, I mean, I think for those guys, I mean, I think we, we wish them well. And if they want to leave and if they want to stay, we're happy to have them back. Um, and I think that's that's sort of our take on it and just letting them decide what's best for them and their family. And I think that's that's kind of what you have to do at this point. Um, sometimes it's it's a lot for a guy being somewhere for four years. And sometimes, hey, all right, uh, now I can go see something else. And maybe I love it here, but I, I just want to see something else. I, I can get how that could wear on you as well. So um, it's just for them, it's just, a matter of time here before we kind of sit down and talk to them more a little bit about their decision. Um, JP was a guy who's a little bit more proactive about it. Um, he kind of had his mind up, mind made up a little earlier. 
Um, and, and we obviously wish him the best of luck and uh, thank him for, for the, what he was able to do for our program and for the university. And, um, and, and we're definitely appreciative of all he gave us. And we just want to ask a follow-up about JP. Sorry, John, for cutting you off. Um, I mean, can you take offense just in over – I know you have – over the past four years, he's, he's been, you know, a leader on and off the court for this team. But can you just take in fans into looking at kind of what he meant to you guys on and off the court in a season especially like this where, you know, just how unnormal it was for everything basketball-wise? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's your senior year. Uh, you're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, there, there's social things that I, I thought JP represented us tremendously well in, um, and, and provided a great light to all of us um, and, and sort of challenged us to, to see things in a different light and, and, and to take more of a stand um, if we were a little bit more passive in that. Um, and JP, JP brought an incredible amount of, of passion, and, and we're really proud of, of what he's been able to do. And obviously the conference rewarded him for it. Um, and, and I think he's, he's somebody I keep telling him he's going to be the governor of North Carolina one day. Um, and, and he's going to make great change and really impact his community if that's what he chooses to do. Um, and I think that's, that's something that, that he really brought for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, JP, he's a guy, he's been through it, you know, and he's been through it in a lot of different ways on the basketball floor. Um, and he's, he brought, he, he sort of a calming influence for some of those guys. I remember the first time we played Houston. I mean, he was the only guy who scored for us in those first like five minutes because he, he just said, Hey, you know what? I got it. Let's go. Come on. Um, now, obviously we didn't win the game, but it, those, those moments are big. Um, especially when you have a team full of freshmen, sophomores um, that are kind of pieced together. And we maybe had 15 practices before our first game. So that's, that's the, uh, that, that's where his, him and Dre and, and even Brendan Barry, even though he had about two practices before our first game, um, they kind of helped calm me a little bit more because they've been through it. Jimmy, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Brendan because I think, you know, reporters, fans kind of debate this, you know, toward the, toward the end of the game, obviously against USF, he, he shakes loose, gets a couple looks, and we know that he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And then sometimes people will say, well, imagine if they could get him free for more open looks. But on the flip side of it, it's just not always not always that simple to just you, you just magically draw up a play. A guy comes off a screen. If it was I guess if it was that simple. He'd be scoring 25 a game for you. I wanted to see if you could take listeners into like what goes into that process when you're trying to get him loose for a shot. I know he's not the type of guy that can just readily create his own shot. What would you say to a fan who who or anybody, any observer says, oh, I wish they'd gotten him more open looks. What goes into that when you're trying to get him shots? Is it is it just as easy as that? I would imagine it's not. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, like, so when we play a shooter, right, what we normally do is we put somebody with length and size on them, and we're going to be physical with them and, and do some things like that. So, so after B scores 17, two games in a row against SMU, he's now seeing a big, longer defender. Um, and I think if you think about it, the games where he went off, uh, South Florida at the end of South Florida, Cincinnati at Cincinnati, um, the two SMU games, he had a smaller defender on him. Um, and he was able to get that shot off, and we were able to find him a little bit more when we needed to. Um, so for him, it was a matter of trying to run him off some screens, trying to have him set some screens. Um, and sometimes he provided a lot of help for us just as by being a decoy. Um, I think out of timeouts, you saw, especially early, Aaron was running a lot for him to try to get a look. Um, and it's, it takes a, it's a little harder to get that off um, with, with a big 6'6 dude on you with long arms, and, and he's, he's right there on every catch. Um, but I thought the one thing B did a good job of in using that is as guys started running him off the line, he got in the paint and he made, made, made uh, other guys easy shot opportunities. Um, he got in there and he found them for shots. But um, I think that's something B is going to continue to work on. And, and sometimes it's, it's taking a, a couple shots that are a little, that you may think are a little questionable um, and realizing that a B like a bad shot for you is, is probably a good shot for somebody else from a percentage wise. Um, and, and him realizing that. And I think he started to realize it more as the season went on. Um, but I, obviously I think the, the, the hard part for him is he gets here and, and he's two days into his temple practice career and, and now we're playing and there was never really a chance to fully get his momentum um, going and comfortability with the team. I think that happens over time too. So that's something that he's, he's going to work on here in the next couple of weeks as well. Give me just one more question about uh, about the team this past season. Something you guys struggled with kind of in spurts was maintaining a rhythm offensively, whether that be the offense gets a little bit stagnant or the ball's just not falling to the hoop. Do you think scoring droughts this season could more so be attributed to shot selection? Is it hero ball or is it simply whatever the defense is doing is working at that specific time? Yeah, you know, I, th I thought our offense was better this year than it was last year. 
Um, and some of that is personnel. Some of that's some, some of the great stuff Christian and uh, um, Coach McKee were doing. Um, but I think that for us, I think sometimes it's, it's youth. Um, I think it's, it's sometimes for us, like if we miss a shot, we got to go up there and step up there and knock down the second one um, and, and not kind of hang our hats on offense. So I thought with the games where we hung our hat on defense, the offense kind of takes care of itself. Um, and for us, I think sometimes if we weren't scoring, we kind of got in our own way and got a little bit of a rot mentally. Um, and that's where you need like an older guy. And I thought KB gave us that late um, it, where like you had an older guy who like, hey, he just put, put you on your back and I'm going to go in there. I'm going to make a big shot for you. Um, and I think the games we won, we, we hit those shots. The games we didn't, we, we missed. Um, but I think that's that's something that for us as we get older and those guys get more used to being in those situations, it's if you get in a rut where you haven't scored in a little bit, all right, as long as the other team's not scoring, you're still right in the game. So you, you still got to have the confidence to take that next shot and step up there and make it. And, and that's something that I think we, we built over the year and, and we got to keep building here. Does that answer so your on, question? On that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So on that note, what does it tell you as a coach when, uh, I mean, this may be an obvious answer, but when, when you guys are playing two lane and he steps up and he bricks a three and on the same possession, you guys get the offensive rebound and he hits the next one. As a freshman, as a guy that has that shooter's confidence, what does that then tell you as someone who can forget that play and quickly turn things around? What does Fantastic. that tell you about him? Yeah, and that's, that's the way you have to be. Um, and that's impressive to be able to do that. I, th- I think that's that's important. And to be honest with you, I was, I'm pumped up that we got the offensive rebound because I think that's – that's something when your team is not making shots like Houston, right? Like their percentages aren't great, but you know what? They rebound 40% of their misses. Like, so like that's it. it you, you, there's a little bit more confidence in there when they are, if I miss this, Hey, you know what? I'm probably going to get another shot here in about 10 seconds when, when they go get it off the glass. And I think that's, that's something that, that gives you a little bit more confidence as well. But yeah, I mean, I think you got to have a, a, a short memory, um, especially if you're a guy who's put in the time and you're really working on it um, and, and be confident in what you do. We have a few uh, mailbag questions here for you. These are, again, these are, you've heard uh, some of these screen names before. These are from our message board, one from Twitter. The first one is TUALS37 coming in hot here. The question is, when are we going to make the tournament again? Great question. Uh, Our goal is next year. Um, That's something that we're working towards. That's something I I think we're, we're almost there. Um, I think as you look at, at kind of our, our guys, and I said this, I always said that the, the biggest year I've seen in, in my short time here as an assistant is that freshman and sophomore year jump is always a big one. Um, and, and that's going to be important for us to, to have a big spring and summer with these young guys. Um, and then also to maybe add a piece or two, I think obviously Hasir coming in uh, and Zach coming in, give us, give us a, an added burst there. Um, in terms of toughness and scoring and, and just overall talent. Um, and, and then obviously we, we have one scholarship left. So going out and, and finding a big guy who, who can help us down low as well um, and, and can kind of push us as well. I think that's, that's going to be important for us. And hopefully that, I think that should get us over the hump. I really do. Um, and I know that, that, that some people are going to be skeptical about that, but I, I'm excited about the future of this program. I'm excited about the guys we have in there. Um, and I'm excited about the, 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 all of the things. Like if you look at our roster, Last year, um, we had holes. We had holes. Uh, shooting was a hole. Uh, just overall offense was a hole. Toughness was a hole. I think if you look at what we've done, all right, we've we've filled the, the toughness role with guys like Hasir, with Jalil, with Sage, with Jeremiah, with Dame Dunn. We, we filled that. All right, we, we filled the scoring role when you add in a guy like Zach and Hasir and, and you add in KB. Um, and, and now we got to go find a big, and, and that's something that we're going to go do with that last scholarship. So I think that's important for us. We, we got to sure up inside and, and be able to be a physical team, be able to score. But for us, our identity has always got to be defensive and rebounding. And that, that's something that, that we got to take to. And I think we're getting there. And I think as you get older and you keep building that mentality and, and saying this goes back to your original question is like, what does an offseason do for you? That's where you build that. And that's where you, you harp on that every single day. And that's important to us. Follow-up question for you. This isn't a mailback question, but when you look ahead to next year defensively, and if you get a full year with Sage, you get a full year with someone like Jaleel, you get a full year with whatever big you bring in and you add that type of length, what does that, what does that allow you to do defensively and explore defensively? Yeah, I think you can do some different things. Um, I think you can switch. Uh, I think you can you can do some different things. Just adding those guys in there that, that can be – you can be a little bit more aggressive too. 
Um, I think that's that's something that we could really do with those guys. Uh, next question, another mailbag question from Berkshire. Al is the screen name. Has Jaleel White been able to practice at all this year? He is not. He is not. He's been uh, uh, just recovering, and, and, and our strength and conditioning team um, has done a great job, as well as the rehab crew has, has done a great job of helping him get to where um, like he said to me, Coach, like I, I didn't even feel this good the last time I, I, I got my uh, meniscus and I was playing right about now. Um, so he's, it's, it's been a slower process because obviously when you do it two times in a row, you, you got to kind of take care of it a little differently. Um, but, but he has not practiced yet, but he will, I imagine in the next month or two, um, we'll be able to do a little bit more, like he's shooting and doing some things that way. Now you talked about this before, just as a follow-up and we've had you on before, had Chris on before tell listeners if they missed it the first time around, what you were seeing from him in practice before he got hurt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, competitor toughness uh really really good downhill um and and getting downhill and, and being able to score um fantastic on the offensive glass i think he's going to spin the post he, he's a mismatch nightmare because i think you could really play him one through four um and if you really wanted to small ball five against a team that's a little not, not as physical inside um he, he's just he gives you like so so david collins uh we couldn't stop him in the, in the tournament uh jalo you throw a guy like jow on him David Collins, you no longer have to worry about him. Um, he's the only guy that, that I've been able to see all year that can give Caleb Battle some fits. Um, and KB is going to kill me for saying that. He's going to be a little mad at me. But but I, I thought Ja Ja does a really good job of being able to guard him and and making things a little difficult difficult for him. Um, and I think that's that's uh, one of the things that uh, he's going to be able to bring to. Um, he's he's when you think Temple. In your mind, whatever you think, you think you're going to wind up when you watch Jello White, you're going to wind up thinking he is a temple guy and he is who we want to be. Next question comes from SAH0770 is a screen name. Bunch of questions here about the transfer portal. How is the transfer portal changing the way you, you're recruiting? So far, I believe there are over 500 players in the portal already. Does that impact how you guys look at high school prospects for future roster spots? Do you basically feel like you have to re-recruit your entire roster again every year since the ease of transferring uh, to other programs and inquiring about Temple players has changed? Yeah, so uh, it's it's interesting, right? So there's right now, and I have it up, there's about 612 guys in the portal right now. Um, some of them we can get. Some of them we, we uh, maybe aren't as good as, as we'd like. Um, and I think for us, it's, it's interesting because I think there's, it's a quick way to upgrade. Um, and it's a quick way to, to get some needed depth if you need that as well. Um, and obviously we, we've had some success with Jake and KB and, and Sage and B, um, and Ty in the transfer portal there with us. Um, does it change the way me personally? No, because I was recruiting, uh, I'm going to recruit all those guys anyway. Um, just high school transfers, everything. You got to kind of have your feel on all of it if you're going to be really good as a staff. Um, and I know Chris and Monte have done the same. Um, it This year, like with the way our roster is set up, because we have so many young guys, you probably aren't looking at a ton of high school guys anyway, um, just because we have so much youth already, especially with everybody getting this added year. Um, if you do, you're going to want to take an older guy, somebody that, that's kind of been through it a little bit, can, can provide some leadership. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for right now. Um, now, most most colleges really aren't recruiting a lot of high school guys. Um, so I think in 2022, you'll be you'll be able to get involved with a high school guy who maybe you weren't necessarily as likely to get um, if you choose to go that route, um, because not a lot of schools are recruiting high school guys, to be honest with you. Um, so like a lot of the 2021s who have scholarships now, they better take them because it, it's 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 going to go away pretty quickly, I would think. Um, now, I do think that in four years, it sort of goes back where, yes, you're still looking through the transfer portal, but high school guys become a little bit more because the transfer portal is going to go down because all these guys that had an extra year, th th that ends. Um, so there's a lot of schools, like especially low major guys who they can't go back to their original school um, because of just lack of funding at some of these lower levels and, and sort of things like that. And there may be a guy at a high major level who they, they don't want back. You know what I mean? He's, he's got another year to use. So I think that's going to open up, but in four years, I think that'll go away. So kind of answered, that yeah, I'm just going to follow up with you. You kind of answered it. I was going to say, this is really kind of going to be the first time around where we see the craziness of it. We've seen it in football. You mentioned it at the outset of that question, more than 600 guys in the portal. 
And I think you and I, we all know that there are people have kind of used that musical chairs analogy where like the song's going to be over and some guys are going to be like, I overplayed my hand. Do you, and you kind of already answered this, but so you do think that this at some point might correct itself where this kind of settles down where people get a handle on this and you think it might kind of go back to whatever normal was and that we're in a, like the, maybe the peak of it right now. Yeah. I think the next two years are probably the peak of it. Um, I, I think guys are always going to recruit the transfer portal as they already did. But I think because you have that influx of more guys than you normally would, I think that that makes it interesting. Um, but I think it's the, the, the one year guys, the guys that are freshmen and they maybe go too high and they want to come back down a little bit lower. I think those guys are going to be, they're always going to be prevalent. Um, but these older guys, the four year guys that have one year left that, that they didn't think they were going to have, I think that makes it even more than, than it normally would. Mm. Like a guy like JP, you know what I mean? Like JP technically would be done now, but now he's, and he has another year so he can use that portal, but that's going to go away here soon. Yeah. Next question from Twitter. And you kind of touched on this one already. This, the Twitter handle is Detroit Al. What are our position priorities from the transfer portal and why? Yeah, we need a big guy um, just to be as blunt as possible. And I know there's hopefully someone is, is listening and they're probably jumping up and down and excited to hear that. Um, we need some some depth inside at that five position. Um, and, and we've talked to our guys about that and that's what we're looking for. Um, that's that's something we're really looking for. If we can get a guy who could come in and, and really help us inside, there, that's, that's important for us. Next uh, and final mailbag question here. The screen name is TU1834. What is an area of development within the team that the coaching staff is pleased with that fans may not realize or be talking about yet? One, I think the fact that, that we have a core group of guys that have stuck together and, and fought through a lot of this adversity and that we don't have 12 guys in the transfer portal. Uh, I think that's it's a testament to Aaron. I think that's a testament to the, the beauty and the um, – just overall package that Temple University is and has. Um, and, and I think that's a testament to the guys that we have in that locker room. Um, they're committed to what we have and what we're building. Um, and, and they can say that on paper, but they've shown it with their actions and, and what they've been able to do and the fact that they're all bought in and trying to help us and, and trying to recruit for us right now. Um, and I think that's, that's a big piece. Um, if, if we were one of those programs that had 12 guys in the transfer portal right now, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, man, I, I don't know. But it, it, we, we have a committed group, and they're all here, and they all want to get better, and they're all bought into what Temple University has to offer and, and what Aaron McKee can do for them and, and what they can do for him. Jimmy, two more quick questions for you if you have time for them. You, you mentioned yeah. Mr. Miller and Zach Hicks. Um, obviously, during the, the course of a season, you guys are focused in a lot on what you're doing day in and day out, but you, know, you do get the chance to check in on them albeit virtually, what did you see from those guys? Both of them had, you know, pretty good senior seasons. What did you see from those guys in the time that you could observe them? And what do you think, you kind of talked about this a little earlier, what do you think is possible for them coming into the, you know, into the, into the fall based off of what you saw from them in their senior seasons? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty clear that Hasir Miller is the best player in, in Philadelphia right now. Um, and I think Zach, Zach is, is the best player in South Jersey right now. Um, and I'm not just saying that because there are guys, but I think they both have played really well and it, for their class. And I think they've both done a tremendous job um, in representing their high school and representing Temple University in their senior year. Um, and I think they're both guys who are going to help shape. I said this to you, I think, when I was talking to you this time last year, uh, the 2020 class uh, of guys that were freshmen for us this year and the transfers that we brought in, they're going to determine how successful we are as a program or whether we have success as a program. Um, and I think this 21 class and the two guys that we have and the, the one more guy that we're going to bring in, they determine how high we can go. Um, and I think that's that those guys are, are two excellent pieces for that. And I'm excited for them. And, and I know the city's excited for them. And I think they sort of change the landscape of and the view of Temple University when they come here and they have success, especially locally. Um, I think people are going to realize like how, how successful they, that we can be here at Temple University. And I think that's where we're headed. Um, I'm excited and I, I know I sound like a broken record in, in what I'm saying and, and, and how I'm going about this, but I, I, I'm excited about our future because of the young guys that we have in this program. Um, now do we need an extra piece or two here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can always get better. Um, that's something we want to do. Um, we didn't have the year last year that we wanted to have, but we were young. Um, and now, now th that big jump for us, this is a massive summer for us. Um, and, and all the expectations that you guys and fans and are putting on us, you're absolutely right. We, we should have those expectations. 
Um, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, and that's, I think next year is going to be a huge year for us. And it starts with right now um, with, with the, this last scholarship. It starts with the development that we have this summer um, as players, as coaches, as administrators, everything. And I think we, we're moving in the right direction and, and we have everything we need here to be tremendously successful. And I think adding Zach and Hasir into that mix make us even better. At one point, I think there was a conversation about Zach maybe wanting to redshirt when he when he gets to college. Is that I know there's obviously a lot of time to decide this. Is he is he kind of still on that track or does he come in and play right away? Oh, I think that that's to be determined right now. Um, and, and I think like the crazy part is I know we had a lot of freshmen play here, but it is it is a massive jump from a physicality standpoint from high school to college. Um, and, and, uh, I know Zach is capable of doing it, but I, if, if for if most times and most programs, like the good programs, you're not playing all freshmen like we did. Um, and, and but we have talented young freshmen who are going to turn this place into a great program. And I think that's, that's why they did. Um, and, and that's, that's what I'm excited about. But yeah, I think, I think you consider what, what Zach needs and, and how he's going to develop and, and what he thinks is best for him. So. Dude, last question for you, just from a, like a, a scheduling standpoint, like if you had to take fans through what's next for you guys, have you, I think you still have the, what the end of season meetings for them. And then when can you start working out again? What is, what are the next few weeks and next couple months look like for you guys? Yeah. So we're not allowed to do anything with these guys for seven days. Um, and then um, you go through the, the next part where you can do a little bit like group workouts, that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the summer, you'll be able to have some time, some more time with them. And then, um, but the whole time that they'll be able to lift and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, sorry, I forget the whole, um, like how many hours each guy has and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I think that's for us, it's going to be a lot of working out. It's going to be a lot of, Hey, these guys are here on campus. They're going to get in the gym and play pickup. And I think that's one of the best things that we have here in temple is, is all the pros and all the people that come in. It's a little different, obviously, with COVID, but um, just to be able to get in there and play. Like, I mean, you guys remember all the times we had Lou Williams and all those guys in the gym. Like, that's that's what our guys need. They need to play against guys like that. They need to challenge themselves because all the stuff that we're doing skill perspective, uh, from a skill perspective and just a weightlifting perspective, are great. That's awesome. But they got to go out there and play against somebody else in the summer. Um, I think that's important as well. Jimmy Fennerty joining us again on The Scoop. Thanks so much for doing this. Great insight as always. Really appreciate it. Yeah, fellas, I really appreciate it, um, and, and I know I appreciate you guys hanging with us, and um, I, I know we're gonna we're gonna make it worth your while. I promise you that. So uh, we're excited, and, and wish you guys all the best of luck, and uh, go out. All right, so big thanks to Jimmy for joining us again. It's always fun talking to him. A lot to react to there, Sam. What stood out to you? Uh, for me, like the biggest thing I'd say is Jimmy's perspective on how the, how much of a process it is to for Aaron McKee to come in, take over as head coach, and then get them back to winning ways, kind of figure out how to make this program work under Aaron McKee. And Jimmy had talked a little bit about like filling the holes of and having gaps of places they needed to fit guys in um, to fill holes of places where their team was a bit depleted. So he said, for example, la uh, last year's season, they had holes in terms of shooting the ball and scoring the ball and in terms of toughness. And he felt like bringing in guys like Jeremiah Williams and bringing in Hasir Miller and bringing in, um, uh, was it Damien Dunn? Those, those kind of guys fill in that toughness role and bring in Caleb Battle for scoring and, you know, Brendan Berry kind of fill in their scoring role, bring in Zach Hicks next year as our scoring piece. And he's like, from what they were last year to what they are, to what they have been this past year to what they are next year, the outlook is from a general perspective is that they've filled holes and they've filled in spots where they needed pieces. And they've done that pretty successfully, I think. And although the record doesn't show it, it Jimmy has said a handful of times and he even said he doesn't want to sound like a broken record, but he's excited about the piece they have and what, uh, what can, what their future can look like next year. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I think what stood out is um, Sage told, I Sage Tolbert, the fact that he compared him to Justin Gorham or, or gave that comparison really stood out. I mean, in the two games that Temple played against Houston, Justin Gorham was dominant. The, I believe he was named to the first team all AAC, but I could be wrong. I think he was the most improved player. He was the defeat defensive player of the year. Probably, he could probably have won most improved player too. He was fantastic on the boards um, and just defensive wise. If that's, if Sage can be anywhere as, as good as Justin Gorham, they have themselves steal. He also compared him to Trey Scott. I think we've heard that comparison, uh, the little junkyard dog. Um, yeah. To hear that. And then 
you know, be, and him talking about, you know, Nick Jordan coming along as, as, as far as he has. Um, I mean, he, we mentioned this so many times on this podcast, but he literally described the Sam, I'm a self described project. We probably any other year he would have redshirted, but I mean, the, the progress that he was able to come along and, and really, you know, be in the starting lineup towards the end of the season was, was very impressive. So, I mean, Jimmy giving him high marks is, is not, not surprising. Yeah. Just to that, just to that question, uh, I'd asked him like, who's been the biggest surprise or who's come the longest way. If he had to give a most improved player award, um, him saying the obvious answer is Jeremiah Williams for the biggest surprise, but I was expecting him to say, uh, I was expecting him to say Nick Jordan as someone who's improved the most just because he was the guy that was playing scattered minutes to DNPs, uh, throughout a majority of the season, and he finds himself starting at the end of the year. So I thought hearing from him talk about what Nick Jordan's been able to do rather than just listening to the three of us talk about uh, what Nick Jordan's growth has been like was was a great answer. And obviously he talked a lot about Jaleel White and said that he could be, uh, you know, again, fans might hear this stuff and say, well, you know, and Jimmy kind of, you know, caught himself a couple of times, said, I'm sure people think I'm being overly optimistic here. I might sound like a broken record, but I am excited about the future. Talked a lot about Jaleel White and how he can be a matchup nightmare. And he said, defensively, I think it was, might've been in the answer where I asked him, you know, when you, when you think about Jaleel being healthy next year and you think about Sage Tolbert being healthy for the whole year and you bringing Jake back. And maybe if you do add, um, obviously another thing that stood out is he directly said, yeah, we need another big. You know, and it basically it said that, you know, we've got that extra scholarship left. Uh, we want to go out and get another big. If you have a lot of length, what can that do for you defensively? It can give you some flexibility. And he, I think that's where he talked about Jaleel and he could be in a matchup nightmare. And he said, you know, Jaleel White was one of the guys early on before he got hurt, was a guy that could give Caleb Battle some fits defensively. And so he seems very high on, on what he can do. So um, I think, again, as Jimmy has said, the biggest piece will be you know, that growth for a lot of these guys that takes place between their freshman and sophomore year, as Jimmy said, being able to play some pickup ball, if things do continue to get better and more people get vaccinated and they get more time in the facility, as Jimmy mentioned, you know, some future pros or current pros and veterans of, of the game will stop by that, that complex and play. And as Jimmy said, a guy like Lou Williams might stop by. Um, it's not uncommon for these guys to stop by and then a temple guy gets a shot at them and, and playing against them. So, that's a lot of the stuff that they didn't get last year. So we'll have to see how much of that makes a difference because again, it's a, it's a big third season for football and for basketball. And I think Rod Carey and, and uh, on his end and Aaron McKee on his end are going to have to find that right mix of saying to their teams, essentially, look, we know what we were up against. There were injuries. There was COVID, but no more excuses, you know, for temple football, they got to get back to a bowl game, be bowl eligible for temple basketball. They should hope that they're playing in, some postseason next year, hopefully in their case, the NCAA tournament. So again, hope we enjoyed that interview there. Um, one more mailbag question to get to that was not directed um, to Jimmy Fennerty. And that comes from the message board from the screening Acton Four. question for the Al Scoop team. How many players in this year's basketball roster who saw playing time will not be on next year's team? Here's the curveball. You must answer plus or minus three. I wonder if Acton four is from Acton, Massachusetts. Probably not. Uh, okay. How many players got next year's team? Here's the curveball plus or minus. So plus or minus three guys leaving. Yeah. I think this is an easy answer. I mean, I would say more than three leave from this roster from this, from this past year's current roster. I would say more than three are gone, mm -hmm. but Yeah. More than three. Well, I guess like the criteria is like, okay, so we know that we know that JP is gone. Uh, we're going to take an educated guess. Again, he hasn't announced anything that that Trey Perry might be gone. And again, I, I, I would want to know what the criteria here, here are like, yes. Could, could JP have come back on his extra year? Yes. Could, could Dre come back on his extra year? Yes. Could Brendan Barry come back on his extra year? Yes. Um, but also, like when it's when he says when whoever asks this question says leave the team or not be in the roster, that can include graduation. That can include transfer. That can include a lot of things. I think if you're realistic, I think it's going to be around three. Yeah. I think you're if you if you set it at two and a half, I might hedge and barely take the over. It's probably either two or three. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say it's it's probably I would say probably three at this point. But I think two and a half. Yeah, I, I think Sam Sam makes a good point. I. I it just depends on, on really what Dre Perry and, and 
Brandon Barrett do? I mean, obviously, you know, you have to watch out to see what Arashima Parks and, and Ty Strickland do, but you know, that there's always a good chance that those two come back as well. So you can't discount them. Yeah. I also want to qualify my answer by saying like, I'm not expecting a mass exodus like there was last year. And as a lot of fans have brought up, I'm not expecting guys like Damian Dunn or Jeremiah Williams or Caleb Battle or any of those guys to look for greener pastures. I'm not expecting any of them to say they are not happy in the position they're in. They think they can do better. I think that all of them have shown in some capacity or another that they're happy in the situation they're in and they believe in the situation they're in. They believe in Temple and the vision that they're building. When when you say two, maybe three guys, I think you're looking at it's at least one in J.P. Mormon now. It's a potential second in Dre Perry, and it's a potential third in Brandon Barry. Those are two guys that have not made the decisions, but could either graduate or uh, or grad transfer or wherever, find another place to go play basketball. So I think if you're looking at two, maybe three, it's probably of those three guys. I'm not expecting any other guy that played significant minutes and played a significant role and is a part of what seemed like the future. I'm not expecting any of those guys to, to, take, the, to take the door and, and to leave. I know I'm not going out on one saying this, but I think the the basketball team is a very similar position as the football team. I mean, obviously there's more players on the football team, so there's going to be more like graduating, leaving. And you saw players who only got the, you know, the added year of eligibility because of COVID transfer out and, and look for greener pastures or maybe, you know, explore their explore beyond their horizons with an extra year. But who you did see say is the the younger players who have bought in and are all in with the football team. And that's, I feel like what you're seeing with the basketball team. I don't think any of the players are going anywhere. Um, I mean, that that's obviously like coupled with the fact, looking at what happened with Cincinnati, they have somebody who was an all AAC freshman who's, who's transferring um, or entered his name in the transfer portal. So I, I think at this point, I mean, you're like the departures that I mentioned, those are probably the most likely, but if I think we would all be blown away if, if any of the, the younger players decided to, to put their name in, into the portal. Yeah, and when it comes time to like what Acton's referencing here, guys saw playing time. I, I'm assuming that wouldn't that would not include Ty Strickland and Arashma Parks, who played sparingly this year. Of course, Ty had the shoulder injury at the beginning of the season. Arashma's had ongoing shoulder issues. I, I think sometimes people assume like, well, they're not playing much; they're going to transfer. Sometimes these guys just might be happy in the roles that they're in, and Ty could end up sticking around for another year and and graduating, and maybe he goes somewhere else, or maybe he sticks around. Arashma. Could be the same thing. We'll see. But again, obviously, I think the people that you keep an eye on, again, JP has already declared uh, or entered the transfer portal. And then you want to look at Dre and and Brendan Barry. And a guy like Brendan Barry, again, I think if, if he wants to come back, I think Temple would obviously take him. He would, he would he can shoot the heck out of the ball. Again, we talked to Jimmy about that whole issue of you know, the fans debate. And you know, I think I've been guilty of tweeting it a couple of times. Like, could they get him a couple extra looks here? But it's not always, you know, not always that simple. So those will be the three guys to keep an eye on. So uh, that'll do it for this week. A big, big thank you to John. Before we do wrap up the show today, I did want to bring up a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. There was a reader mailbag question of long away predictions of a final four. And I had been the one that really did not have a good answer for a final four. And we're not going to see each other again until after the first round. So I did want to get a, a, a re-up of this question of what you guys have any insanely bold predictions for the first round of the NCAA tournament or for your final four. And if you guys want, I'm happy to start because I do have my bracket up here now. Yeah, that it, starts today. Yes, it will probably be changed a hundred times by the time the first round starts. But as of right now, as of right now, my final four is Gonzaga, Ohio state, Illinois, and Florida state. Ooh, I like and that. my, my bold, my not so bold prediction or my, my upsets that I'm most excited slash confident in, are Winthrop over Villanova. Everyone does, right? Yeah, that's kind of a common one now. I like I like Syracuse over San Diego State, although Graham told me that was too obvious of an upset to pick. And I had yeah. one more that I liked that I'm trying to find. Oh, Georgetown over Colorado, I go back and forth with a lot, but I think I like Georgetown at 12-5. Yeah, I, I'm picking a lot of upsets. I noticed, which you know, probably might come back to bite me. But I, I like um, Santa Barbara, where Josh Pierre Louis is now, to to beat Creighton. I think they're a good team, and I think Creighton is is kind of reeling after getting demolished by Georgetown in, in um, the Big East tournament. And then picked Ohio over Virginia. I think Virginia is in quarantine until tomorrow, and then they're expected to play a game on Friday. And Ohio has a 
really good point guard named Jason Preston, who is like a LaMelo ball type. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll get to see a 12 seed play a 13 seed in, in, in the second round. I love that. But um, going to my final four, it's not nothing like too crazy. Gonzaga, I have three one seeds and a two seed. Gonzaga, yeah. Illinois, Baylor, and Alabama. And I have Gonzaga beating Illinois. In, in well, don't worry. It's not going to happen. There's yeah. not going to be three one seeds. I oh, Every year I make a bracket and I'm like, I picked all top two seeds. This has literally never happened. It's, like, it's, it's not I mean, happen. I know my brackets. Just, you know, what do you want me to come out and say that I'm going to have a perfect bracket, Sam? Yeah, that's the goal yeah. is to go in every <laughs> year thinking this is the year where it's a perfect bracket and it's mine. You have to go in every tournament thinking that way. I've I've filled out one. That's like just straight up picks. And then I need to, if I still have time, I need to, I'm in a, supposed to hop into another one where you pick against the spread, which I am just terrible at. So we'll see how I do uh, with that one. My final four in one bracket I filled out is uh, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, and Arkansas. So I have Illinois beating Arkansas in the final four, Michigan beating Gonzaga, and then Michigan beating Arkansas. I'm kind of scanning through this here. Any upsets? I don't know how much of an upset VCU over Oregon would be. Sam, I agree with you. I have, I have UC Santa Barbara over Creighton. Uh, maybe Josh Pierre-Louis gets some some minutes in that game. I know he hasn't been playing a ton. Uh, I have Winthrop over Villanova. Have uh, Utah State. Um, I'm trying to scan through. Ohio here. versus Ohio over Virginia is my favorite upset. I really hope Virginia loses. They're the most upset-prone team ever. And they're also recovering from COVID right now. So that doesn't help. Yeah, I, I think them being in quarantine up and, and playing a team that's red hot like Ohio is just like not a good. Uh, and Jason Preston is just like the ultimate Cinderella story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Virginia is so, I mean, they have literally seen the highest of highs and lowest of lows. I mean, Tony Bennett, I think uh, Tony Bennett's a hell of a coach, hell of a defensive coach. They're, they're not anything fancy offensively, but I mean, you know, they, they, they're the first team in history to lose to a 16 seed, and then they bounce back and win a national championship. I, I think they're capable of anything either way. Uh, had Liber- I have Liberty over Oklahoma State. Uh, oh, wow. I have to every year, I think we've talked about this. So I have Houston being Cleveland State, which is not an upset. And then you've got Houston facing Rutgers. I picked Rutgers because I think that Houston lets me down every year. I think we might have talked about that last week or maybe two weeks ago. Again, Kelvin Sampson's done a hell of a job there. I think I, I've tried to remind fans a couple of times. It took him four years to get Houston to the tournament. We know how good they are right now, but they always seem to be a bit of a letdown. How far do you guys have Houston going? I have seen a handful of um, pundits, we'll say, uh, pick Rutgers to beat Houston like you did. I have Houston uh, losing to Illinois in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I think if, I think if Houston, I think if Houston's going to make a run, it's going to be this year. And Quentin Grimes is playing out of his mind. I think the pieces around him, like Justin Gorham, as we had talked about earlier in the pod, I think Houston really does so many things well. And I think if they're if they're playing their best basketball, I don't see a way. I although I do really like Rutgers. I think Rutgers is probably the grittiest team in the entire country, and I I do enjoy Rutgers watching Rutgers basketball. I think Houston's just a more skilled team and they do a lot of things really well. I picked, a, I picked a couple of 10 seeds over. I mean, I picked Rutgers over Clemson. I don't know how big of an upset that is. And I, and I picked uh, Virginia tech over Florida. So a couple of 10 seeds over seven. Are you have Houston beating West Virginia in the sweet 16? I do. Yeah. And then going to the elite eight and playing Illinois. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see, see how confident we are in our brackets. Now we'll talk next week about where they actually are. But uh, yeah, about how gross they are after with, with yeah. tears in our eyes and money, not in our pockets. Yeah. Well, anyway, again, a big thank you to Jimmy Fennerty for joining us. Thank you to all of you for continuing to support the podcast and listen to it. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the, enjoy the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to you soon.